Hello, this is Glenn Lowry of The Glenn Show, formerly at bloggingheads.tv and now at my own YouTube channel, Glenn Lowry Show at YouTube and also at my Substack newsletter, uh, glennlowry.substack.com. And I am with, I am with Wei Wa Chen, uh, who is charter president of the Chinese American Citizens Alliance of Greater New York and an activist working in the education space, amongst other things, uh, in uh, New York City and beyond. Uh, so I'm happy to welcome you, uh, Weiwa, to our, uh, to our podcast here. Thank you for giving us some time. And thank you, Glenn, so much for inviting me. You're welcome. Now, we have actually collaborated on something. I should mention this right at the outset. The Pacific Legal Foundation produced and uh, Rob Montz, uh, the filmmaker, uh, oversaw the production of uh, Dream Factories, I believe is what the documentary is called, which is a uh, uh, investigation of the controversy in New York City about the specialized exam uh, admissions high schools of Bronx High School of Science, Stuyvesant and uh, Brooklyn Tech. Uh, in which you, that controversy, have been very actively involved. Uh, do you, maybe we can start by you telling us a little bit about the controversy and about your role in it and uh, where things are standing now on that uh, set of issues in New York City. Uh, thank you, Glenn. It was great to be with you in Dream Factories. Uh, we, of course, didn't meet at that time because uh, that the shooting of the film happens quite separately in different pieces. But uh, I think it captured a lot of the the emotions of a very important topic. And the important topic is real uh, about excellence in our schools, meritocracy, and also the anti-Asian discrimination that's happening in the schools here in New York, as well as uh, in many other areas in education uh, across this country. The uh, specialized high schools in New York, there are three, as you name them, the, the most famous and the oldest ones, uh, the oldest one being Stuyvesant uh, and Brooklyn Tech and Bronx Science. Those are the top specialized high schools. There are five other ones, actually, I, um, that are, are, are part of this too. And um, they, but those are the oldest ones and the most famous ones. From those three schools, we, those three schools generated 14 Nobel Prize winners in the sciences. That's just an incredible number. You don't have that anywhere um, in the world. There are countries that don't even get that. Uh, that and in fact, Bronx, um, Bronx science is uh, unequal in the science area for the number of um, Nobel Prize winners. They are uh, the tops in all the areas, but you know this is absolutely amazing for any high school uh, in the not the country, in the entire world. These are basically also thought as STEM schools. It's not for everybody. It's not meant to be for your dancers and your, your performers that uh, may want to also get a great education, but there are uh, different options. So we have a, a system where the kids are selected by one test only. That's it. So they don't look at your race, they don't look at your economic status, what your parents do, what their professions are, what ethnicity, what country you're from, what religion, what gender, you know, everything doesn't count for this except one test. It's an academic test, it's objective, 
So uh, you have to do, um, do the verbal part and the math part. And that's basically it. Uh, you come in, you take it once. And um, uh, if you don't get in, you do have an opportunity the next year to take it. But it's basically one test. So you could have played playing hooky, not going to school at all. Uh, and uh, you can also uh, be doing pretty poorly in your original school, uh, middle school, with grades that are not tough. But if you can perform well in this one test, then you are allowed to get in. Now, this has the, the wonderful uh, outcome of a class, of classes, I should say, that have obviously worked very well. So if you can have a system that has generated so many top students, now it's not just the Nobel Prize. It's, it's really uh, also many other prizes that they get, and MacArthur Prizes, uh, Turing Prizes, uh, and so many at the kids' level, you know, Intel um, uh, 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 prizes for, for a lot of uh, the kids over the years. And this is not a, uh, to, to be, it just discarded. But what happened in New York is that they, you had people from the very top. You had the mayor, the chancellor, and, and saying that they were schools that didn't look like the city. You know, what are we chop liver? I mean, th this just doesn't make sense. Uh, th this is not only senseless. It is outrageous to disregard all of the people who form uh, these uh, wonderful schools. Uh, you can't go and say that uh, no one group owns the uh, schools, which is what the chancellor said. It was the mayor who said that these schools don't look like us. To talk about the diversity, we saw in 2018 when uh, the uh, mayor and chancellor announced that they were going to change the uh, the schools, which are governed by state law, by the way. You know, there's the Hecalandra uh, law governs them to keep them the way, uh, it, based on just the emissions by the test. Uh, you cannot just change the schools without trying to change it at the state level, but they announced that they were going to pursue that, and uh, that was creating a lot of problems. Let, let me let me interrupt just for a minute, only because there's so many different issues at play, and I and I want to just try to uh, you know keep some structure. So we have specialized exam-based admission schools in New York City. So the uh, outcome of the exam process has yielded an ethnically unequal uh, representation of different groups in the city's population in these schools with blacks and uh, Latinos being underrepresented and with Asians being quote unquote overrepresented. So a political controversy has broken out about this disparity of representation, which has resulted, has it, in the elimination of the use of this single exam, which has for decades been the basis of gaining admissions to these schools. Am I correct, first of all, in describing the lay of the land, has the use of the exam, in fact, been eliminated uh, for the specialized high schools? No, not yet. Not yet. And, but it's under attack. It's under attack because um, they couldn't change it immediately on that level because uh, this is where it's important to talk about also 
engagement by parents, engagement by interested parties, which is not just parents, not uh, uh, of kids that are, are going to apply, but also with the concept of what this means. You know, this, this means that we are trying to destroy one meritocratic uh, avenue to getting into the schools. Um, but this, the, the test is still there, uh, the, the, because there was pushback. Uh, we went to Albany. We had to go and talk to a lot of legislators. We had to, to, um, make sure that the, the law hadn't changed, but there was a backdoor avenue to changing the admissions. There was another program that's called Discovery, where it was a, a small, small amount. You would have something like 3% of the kids who would just miss the cutoff for the, t- for admissions by the test. And what you uh, do is you try to get ones who didn't make it, but they are disadvantaged in some way. And so usually it's an economic disadvantage. Uh, and what they did was they redesigned it here in New York City and also increased the number so that it would be 20%. But they did not say 20 is, of course, an extremely high number. That means one out of five kids did not really make the test in the usual way. What they do but is they were close. They were close to the cutoff in order to qualify for the discovery program. Well, they are close or not close, you see, because for the uh, bottom school, you know, each school has different cutoff numbers. So some of the top schools will have uh, such a high cutoff number, like Stuyvesant's cutoff number is going to be higher than the top number of some of the weaker schools. So, so you have an extraordinary gap already between the top, the top and the bottom. But when you're picking kids from the bottom of the bottom, you, you get very odd distortions. You could take some ones who missed the bottom one, and then they get placed in one of the higher schools. So it becomes a, a not not quite right for the the it's a mismatch it's a mismatch it's not right for uh, some of the kids who might have otherwise gone in to the top schools you you have to remember it's 20% of your seats one out of five seats that are going to go to someone else that might not be put in and then you're also trading off kids right because how do you define these disadvantaged kids they cherry pick and move the definition around so that they were trying to, what they were trying to engineer was to uh, get certain schools where you had uh, very few Asians. And so when you talk about uh, Asians being an issue, you know, too many Asians or not, I, I want to go back to the words that you used, which were underrepresented and overrepresented. Uh, I, I don't like those terms because we're not representing anything. Okay. When a kid comes in, He's there for himself. Uh, when a, a, a Bangladeshi kid gets into Stuyvesant, he's not representing all of the Bangladeshi people in New York. He's representing himself. He's going to go and do well for himself. Of course, it's great if he could do things back for his um, family and those of his ethnic group, but we are judging him not by his representational group. And so to say that one person is underrepresented to say that somebody is overrepresented is pretty offensive to the Asians actually you know to, to say that you know they're, they're an overrepresented group I think you could say that they're not proportional to the numbers in the population but not to be proportional is not the same to say that uh, you're underrepresented okay I, I, I take that point again just to make sure I'm understanding the lay of the land so the use of the exam 
as a, a criterion for admission has not been eliminated, at least not yet. That's right. Uh, were Mayor de Blasio to have his way, it would be so. But the, the state legislature stands between him and doing this, if I understand you. However, workarounds are being considered. Uh, this discovery program is one such workaround. Uh, its details are complicated. In its simplest form, it would be if you were very close to the line, but not quite at the line, we give you a way of getting in if you go to some special summer program and stuff like that. But it is being, you think, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, abused on behalf of lowering the number of Asian American or Chinese American students who are gaining admissions to these schools. Am I getting that correct? That is the intent. And uh, the actual numbers, of course, will change from time to time. But I, I think that the you have to think also that uh, this 20 percent is not set in stone. There's nothing to say that once they say it's a slippery slope, right? What's to stop them from going from 20 percent to 25 to 30, 50 or 75? You could actually do that. slope you're describing. Correct. Correct. And so it really does uh, undermine the, the, the original intention of this one test that would select these kids. Now, and all, all of this is false scarcity also that's being created. And you know very well that if you have a, an, an incredible demand for these schools, the simple solution is to increase the supply. They may not be completely similar, but you have to think about it. There's about 30,000 kids, that's 30,000 families, that take the test every year. About 5,000 get in. They get placed in some one of the schools. Now, I'm not saying that all 30,000 should be able to get in, but every 30, one of the 30,000 kids should get something that is good for that particular kid. And that is what a school system is supposed to do. It may not say that you all should get into a specialized high school, but we should be improving all the schools so that you have some reasonable options. So, yeah, uh, something tells me that if one were to expand the number of uh, specialized high schools from three or four to six or eight, the lack of proportionality would still represent it, would still present itself because there's such large differences between the ethnic communities in performance on the test. Am I not correct in saying that? I mean, do you know the numbers, by the way, in terms of the uh, distribution of uh, kids from the different uh, ethnic communities' uh, performance on the test? Is that public information? Yes, it's public information. Over 50% of it's Asian. And so, um, and, and I, I will say that when when the Department of Education was coming out from throughout the, the city to show what they intended to do with the schools, what their their uh, goal was to do, they pretty much uh, showed that they were going to half the number of Asian students in these schools. Yet not because they suddenly became dumb and lazy, okay, but simply because they were Asian. That was the goal. And so that is... Uh, Excuse me for interrupting. People are saying explicitly that they want to reduce the number of East Asian kids going to these schools? Not saying East Asian. Loud? Asian. And what they did was they had charts. They showed it. You know, they said that they don't say we're going to come out here and decrease the name, the number by about half. What they do is they show these charts in pinks and greens and reds, all these different colors and 
And then they, they show, this is what it is, uh, the city uh, demographics, the proportions by uh, race. This is what the, um, the portions are currently in the specialized high school. And this is where we want to go. And so you see where it is currently in the specialized high school. And then you see where they want to go. And it's basically you, you want to half the number of Asians. So they don't say, we're going to come out here and half the number. But you just look at the charts and you say, that's what they're trying to do. So it, they, they're careful enough not to say, we're out there to cut the numbers. But the mayor and uh, the chancellor has pretty much said that already. Okay, They have said that these Asians do not belong to us. And these Asians, all of these Asians are not diverse. That's another concept that we should get into. What is diversity over here when you talk about uh, yes. East Asian or and South Asians? You're talking about half of humanity with different religions, different different uh, languages, uh, different histories. They've been fighting each other in Asia for thousands of years, yeah. and so to call them all lumped together, that's pretty racist. I wouldn't call uh, me or the next Asian to me. Uh, also symbol and I wouldn't do that to any other people. Oh, you people are all alike. You know, you all look alike, uh, which is one of those things. So um, I think that, that that's, that's exactly what they did. Charts and graphs going through the city to explain to them this wonderful program. You have to remember also that 30,000 kids take the test. That's a large number of any class. So you know, if you have in each class about a hundred thousand kids, you're talking about one third of all the kids want to have an opportunity to do this. So I'm not saying that they all deserve it, as I said. So you're talking about a very small portion, so a small percentage of kids that are in this whole discussion, and they're making a mountain out of a molehill. You know, you have a huge problem of all the schools, but what you do is you try to attack the thing that most people know. Is working because if this admissions test did not work, these schools would not be good. If these schools were not be good, we would not have this discussion about how to take them apart. So, you know, you could follow the logic there, the reasoning that they don't really aim to improve the schools because what you should be doing is thinking about how do you expand this pie? Let's go back now. You were talking about how can you do, deal with this disparity? We have to first remember that the test does not discriminate against race. For 20 consecutive years in, from the 1970s to the 1990s, Brooklyn Tech, the largest of the specialized high schools, was majority black and Hispanic. And they, we're able to do that because of the pipeline. You have to have students prepared to take the test. You can't do it by a cram course in five days before you take the test. This is something that you have to study beforehand. You, you do not try to uh, compete in the Olympics and swim if you just try to do it uh, a week in advance. It does not happen. You train for lots of time. And there's nothing wrong with it. People should be proud of studying whatever their race is, whatever their ethnicity is. So you have to start that early. 
And in those days, when you had for 20 consecutive years of majority Black and Hispanic enrollment in Brooklyn Tech, there was a pipeline of gifted and talented programs throughout the city. So it was throughout the city that you had these programs that selected kids at an early age to say that, you know, these kids, they have uh, the interest and ability and commitment to do studies. And so because they were in every part of the city, you're going to naturally have kids from all over the city who can be prepared to take the test. What happened in the 1990s, because there was this perceived um, thought that we shouldn't have gifted and talented programs, so they were going to get rid of it again by fiat. Uh, but a lot of the parents who pushed back happened to be in the, the um, white or Asian communities. They wanted to keep the gifted and talented programs. They fought to keep them. They got to keep them. But the Black and Hispanic neighborhoods often did not do the same. And so they lost them. You could see that there are huge areas. If you look at the map in uh, New York, you will see that there are deserts, gifted and talented deserts program, gifted and talented program deserts. And uh, now, actually, just last week, the mayor went and did, and the new chancellor uh, did the same thing and said that we're going to get rid of all the gifted and talented programs now. Okay. I saw that. Yes. And this is the same kind of problem that you think of. Well, if not everybody can get in, nobody can get in. If nobody, if not everybody is educated, we don't want anybody educated. That is not the solution. The solution is that how do we get more programs to more kids at, in, in a better fashion that would, uh, really address their special, uh, interests and abilities? in these areas in, in the academics and it can be done so that, again let me interrupt you uh, people are going to listen to this and they're going to say we're only hearing one side of the story uh, let me declare i'm extremely sympathetic to the arguments that you're making to the arguments you're making about representation and uh, the essentializing of ethnic identity to the arguments you're making about the importance of having uh, elite venues where the most talented and gifted people can can develop their talents and express themselves to the argument that you're making about the fact that if there is a problem in some communities of color and gaining access to these elite venues, then let's direct our attention to the root causes there rather than uh, penalize the people who are doing well. I, Glenn Lowry, am very sympathetic to those arguments and have said so in uh, the Pacific Legal Foundation's film, uh, Dream Factories and, and elsewhere. Uh, I've said it here at the Glenn Show, so people know where I stand. But there must be some reason why uh, the popularly elected mayor of New York City is taking the position that he's taking and that the uh, very strongly felt uh, uh, sentiments of some communities of color in the city are being uh, expressed against the exam. You say, for example, the exam is not biased, it's just an exam. There are people who would argue that the exam is biased and that the poor performance of some communities of color is a reflection of that bias. They would say these are tremendous opportunities for the kids of New York City. The fact that there are so few black and Latino uh, kids who are getting to avail themselves of these opportunities is unacceptable. Something must be done about that and so forth and so on. Have you no sympathy? Or let me put the question differently. Do you worry about looking like a, a chauvinist on behalf of Chinese American interest 
when you make these arguments, since the way that the chips are falling is so favorable to the to the Chinese American community uh, in the status quo? Uh, let me make it very clear that uh, the students of any color is important to all this other students of other colors, uh, because we're in this country, we're in this state and city together, and uh, their problems are our problems. Okay. And so you know, the parents that I've worked with, the advocates that I've worked with, many of them, yes, do happen to be Asian because we are under attack. It is discriminatory. But we also have been looking for solutions. And so some of the solutions, for example, in the gifted and talented program, uh, we work with legislators. We did, uh, Asians to say that what we should do is actually increase the number of gifted and talented programs. There are two bills. Okay in the assembly, the state assembly, and the Senate, the state Senate, uh, for this to increase the number of programs throughout the city so that every single school of a certain size would for every grade have a gifted and talented class that would be selected not by an exam, okay? So teachers can go and choose and say, these kids, they're really bright. I think that we can have them in this class. So every single school and in every district, we want to have one program where the kids are admitted by exam. So this got into bills just these last couple of years, I mean, because we've been talking about it and saying, what is the right solution? Because if we're trying to address this, we should be doing it across the board everywhere. And this does do it. The other thing about the specialized high schools, uh, we've talked to the people and uh, right now, you know, I've talked to the members of our, our, our advocacy group. We've talked to um, all the legislators, all the candidates who've been running for, for mayor too. And, and one of the things that we said is that we should increase the number of specialized high schools. You can either do it by more similar ones, the test, but regardless, you don't touch the existing ones, the existing schools that are test only, let them be because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Let them go, right? And then later, you can also have other, more schools also by test only or a combination of test plus grades. You know, if you really want to go down that route of saying that you want to have uh, teachers recommendations and interviews and things like that, you know, that's a little bit crazy for a public school system of this size. But there are different options. In fact, there are actually screened schools already on the high school level. So there are many different programs and options uh, for kids. So. If you increase and have an additional five specialized high schools, you will have people who are able to come in at different levels. So you do two things. One, you increase the pipeline. You have to be able to educate all of the kids better. Uh, and, and a very, if we wanted to look at the cynicism of the Department of Education, they're pretty much taking the route that where we can't teach the kids any better. What we're going to go and do is just change the uh, the the outcome. That's not the right way of doing it. So okay, um, that sounded constructive to me. Expand the number of seats in specialized high schools and enrich the pathways that uh, kids can get before they come to the high school level uh, to identify those who have talent. Uh, not just by a test, but by by any uh, means that the teachers can find, and then. Uh, nurture them and, and develop them so that they can be uh, candidates for this. But 
What do you make of this anti-elitism sentiment that uh, seems to be very widespread in some quarters, quite apart from ethnicity or race, just the idea that we shouldn't track, we, we shouldn't call some kids gifted and others not gifted, all kids can learn kind of idea. Uh, and, and that um, if we have a, a, some kind of screen like uh, the exam and uh, kids do poorly on it, then uh, th there's an injury conveyed by uh, differentiating amongst the kids based upon their performance, uh, this, this, kind of, this kind of idea. I mean, an anti-elitism ideology would seem to be part of what motivates opposition to uh, the specialized high schools. What do you make of that? I think that it's a um, it's a silly waste of time to try to fall into the trap of saying that all people are equal. I think that we have equal rights for the Constitution, but let's face it, even in a family, in a family with the same genes, with the same structure, you're going to have some kids who perform better in one area for one reason or another. It could be ability. It could be interest. It could be commitment, you know? And so even inside a family of siblings, you're going to have differentiation. Does that mean that you say that this kid is great and the other kid is nothing? No. You try to give them all the resources that can develop them best in their way. Now, if they have not been exposed to it, you've got to expose it to them early. So let's go and say that, and, and you see what I'm saying here? I'm not saying that there's any kid in a family who's worse than another, but they are not equal in the sense that they're all the same. They are different by their individual interests and abilities and the commitment. And so if your own siblings are gonna be so different, why should we not expect the family next to me to be any, to be exactly the same as me? I, I, I wouldn't expect that. And you know, if somebody wants to be a musician, that's great. If somebody else wants to be a astrophysicist, that's great. And if somebody wants to be a, uh, a the greatest electrician, uh, I think that's important. We have to have that kind of diversity. And so I, I think that we have to think about having the, that kind of of, uh, of, of structure that promotes people to be able to have the resources, okay? And then later to be able to develop them according to their interests and abilities. So does that, uh, 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 did I move away a, a bit from that now? Well, I, I think of two broad um categories of explanation for differences uh, between large communities like the ethnic communities in New York City in their um, achievement of, uh, of excellence. One would be genetic and the other would be cultural. Um, and I, I just want to ask you, because I think this is one of the things that's unspoken, but it's behind the scenes when people resist uh, the uh, elitism. Uh, if the uh, black and uh, Hispanic are underrepresented or uh, not proportionately rep uh, uh, present amongst those who are being selected, then you must be saying 
if if you accept that outcome, that they're inferior in some way, either inferior uh, intrinsically or inferior culturally, or by uh, conversely, you're saying that some are superior in that way. And I wonder how you how you react to that because this this sense of outrage. Uh, Segregation, they use the word, sometimes they use the word, these schools are segregated, they will say, as if there was something, you know, uh, morally illegitimate about the disparity in, in uh, presence of the different communities at this high level. And we do need to underscore that these are very exacting selection processes. These are, you say, 5,000 out of a 100,000 class. No, no, this no. is the, the oh, yeah. top 5% who are being admitted to these specialized programs. Uh, and when we have such a broad difference between the black and the uh, Chinese and the uh, Caucasian and the and the Latino and whatnot, uh, it looks like uh, either the institution is failing or these communities are somehow relatively inferior one to the other. And I, how do you react to that? I, I think that this notion of um, uh, elitism or superiority or inferiority should be put aside. Okay, so I, I always hate it when they say it's these are the elite schools. No, they're not the elite schools. They're schools that are selecting kids who perform well by in this criteria. You know, they're 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 not um, they're not the ones also at, at the stage of trying to walk around being you know, royalty or celebrities. Uh, they don't come out and they make zillions of dollars. It's not nothing like that. You know, you don't walk out of a Stuyvesant and all of a sudden you're anointed something or other. Uh, you still have to, to do a lot of things. And there are very few uh, who actually do um, make it to the big, big time. You know, you still 14 Nobel Prize winners is a lot, but it's not like every kid walks out and becomes a Nobel Prize winner. Okay. If that were the case, we'd just go and name every school Stuyvesant and Bronx Science and would be fine. It doesn't work that way. Um, I, I think that for the, the disparity, that is something that uh, does need to be addressed. And, but it is the, a matter of pre preparation early. You know, you cannot just say that uh, because the, the kids are not getting in now. And, and I have to say it's now. This is very important, actually. Something that's just come out recently, it's the uh, National Assessment uh, Education um, uh, progress. Pro progress. That's right. I don't know whether you, you saw that, but it shows that- I haven't that, seen the most recent numbers, but okay. I, know the, I know the general reporting. Okay. So in the last uh, time, from 2012 to now, okay, the performance has declined for the first time since it started reporting this. So, and worse yet, the discrepancy between the blacks and the, the poorest performing groups, which would normally be your, your black and Hispanic, has actually increased. So the difference has actually increased. The, the separation, okay, the gap, the achievement gap is increasing for the first time when actually in the past decades, there was a huge a closing of the gap. So it's actually before these policies and this is they're trying to say that where it's all the system's fault that people will say, well, we don't have to teach them any longer, right? We don't have to focus on education. All we have to say is the system is not right. What we should do is just move the kids around and magic, they become educated. No, it doesn't happen that way. You know, it's sort of like saying that if I put somebody who's not yet prepared 
into uh, the specialized high schools, they will suddenly be able to do the work. That is not true. Now, not even every kid who passed the test will flourish the same way. That's the way it is, right? You know, you know how it is that sometimes uh, kids will perform very well, but you have to get a class and there will be some who will even perform better later. And then there will be some who look like they were really good uh, at uh, eighth grade. And then later they do not perform on the top. You know, the top kid in a middle school may not, will probably not be the top kid in the, uh, the high school because you can't have every number one kid in the middle school becoming the number one uh, in the same way in, in high school. But if you go back to uh, what's happening here with trying to get a, a class that is going to be developed, you have to focus very early on trying to make sure that they're educated and by not focusing on the education, which is what's happening, you do destroy the hopes and dreams of kids. So you, you can't just tell them, well, because we have a, a host system that is rigged, then all we have to do is just move you into a different school. You're going to become suddenly able to do things. And that, that's actually a kind of uh, bizarrely racist to say that uh, a black kid uh, or a Hispanic kid cannot learn unless they're sitting next to a white kid and an Asian kid. You know, that, that's not true. Yeah, I think that, uh, in fact, uh, the, uh, many of the charter schools are the best performing uh, public schools in New York City, and they are 95% of black and Hispanic, and they, they're performing better than the public schools. So the public schools here are, and, and I should say that the charter schools are publicly funded, but they're not what you would call inside the, the uh, public school system. We, we have to look at why that is the case, because you're taking the same kids, but there is more structure and more focus on educating, and that makes a world of difference. That's what we have to focus on. And it's not to, to say, uh, talking about segregation. You know, I just mentioned that some of the best performing schools happen to be uh, 95% black and Hispanic. So it, segregation is a case when it's imposed. If it's by, uh, if we said that no kid will be allowed to take the test who is of this size and shape, then that would be wrong. Uh, you know, if we said that uh, you, you had to, to be uh, of a certain profile to take the test and pass it, that would be wrong. But if we say that uh, we will let everybody compete on it, then later what happens happens. But we should be performing the, the, the important work, the hard work of education, which is to work for years and years in advance to prepare all the kids. And that's what the Department of Education is not doing. You know, they, they want to make the, the quick, uh, glossy uh, headlines. And, but if you look at a lot of the grassroots, uh, I, I don't think that what we get from talking to, to, uh, black and Hispanics too, that we, you know, we work with that is that, uh, there are some, uh, people who are focused on changing this. But for the most part, most of the black and Hispanics are just like, uh, all the other parents, they want a good education for their kid. They want to go and focus on that. And if they can get their kids to be able to do as well in the test to get in, that's where they want to go. And that's where we should aim. Do you have any outspoken allies from the Black and Latino communities in New York City standing with you in defense of the uh, maintenance of the uh, rigorous testing regimen for gaining admission to the specialized high schools? 
there are some more that are quietly so. I think that this is a, a an issue that they they have to choose in a way. Um, I think that there are lots. Of, there are some who have spoken up for keeping the test. Okay, so um, and and of course, uh, political winds do change, and uh, politicians are are uh, aware of that. Uh, I think that if you take somebody like an Eric Adams, um, who is likely to become the next mayor of of New York City, he has gone back and forth. Uh, on this. And at one point he was saying, okay, let's get rid of the test. When, when, uh, the, uh, de Blasio said, let's get rid of the test. He said, okay, let's get rid of the test. And then Letty told him that, that this doesn't work for anybody. It's not a, a, a good solution. And, and, um, he's supporting the increase of, uh, the number of specialized high schools. You know, keep the ones that are here now as they are. And then later uh, to expand the number of specialized high schools, uh, uh to every borough. So, you know, we, this we don't have Adams. Uh, yes, this is Eric Adams. So he is one person who, who is saying, don't touch the ones that are, are now under the test. And then later what you do is you add to them. Was it at all this issue, uh, important in the primary contest of that Adams emerged victorious in for a mayor? Well, I don't know whether it was the, uh, most important issue. There were many issues. I think that the, it, to put things in perspective, I, I would say that the safety on the streets is probably the most important right now. And so, and, but I'd say that that is also related to, to education too, because if the kids do not feel safe going to the school, a lot of parents are going to keep them at home. So uh, I, we have to take care of the safety in the streets first. So I think that he probably had a, a notch up on that, but it was an issue that he was um, uh, questioned about during the campaign, and, um, and and I know that there are a lot of people who think that you know increasing the pie is better than decreasing the pie. Let me ask you about Kakagni, Chinese American Citizens Alliance of Greater New York, of which you are president. Uh, did it come into existence uh, to mobilize around this issue? What's the history of of Kikagny and of your involvement with it? Okay, well, Cagney is the local chapter, uh, New York chapter uh, for an old organization. And the old organization is the Chinese American Citizens Alliance that was founded in 1895, actually. So um, a very uh, old group, but we didn't have one in New York for many decades. Uh, so you know, New York had one there. It's a very informal um, a, a group, but when we gathered here, as we formed it here in New York, we thought that we should focus on real issues. So you know, you can have organizations that do um, many different things. You know, we're diverse too, right? Within a, a small group over here, uh, but to focus on the issues that were plaguing uh, the the Chinese uh, uh, American and Asian American by extension uh, community, and the first thing, uh, most immediate issue was education. So that's how we thought about that. And so uh, this was just um, uh, a focus on the discrimination there. And uh, and we see it not just in New York, but it's also in other places. So in uh, Thomas Jefferson, uh, in Virginia, in Lowell, in in San Francisco, Boston, Latin, um, we, we have the same kind of attack. And it's also the same the same thing was happening also uh, at our, the Harvard and Yale, the college level, 
And now they brought it down to the gifted and talented. See, so you know, it, it really is a major issue in education, what they want to do. And when they see that, well, we don't like the numbers. Uh, gifted and talented happens that 43% uh, in New York are uh, Asians also in this program. So they want to, they, that's part of the impetus for saying, let's get rid of the entire gifted and talented program. Now that's again wrong. You know, this is the, the looking at race before all the other uh, issues. Again, just look at the numbers. There are, there are many times the num number of kids who can get into it, who are entitled by their grade to get into the gifted and talented program, but there aren't enough seats. So why don't you create more seats? See, there, there's a lot of false, uh, scarcity that's created that from, from a economist standpoint, you should think, oh, well, why don't you increase the supply here? You know, uh, now, um, those are issues that I think that we, we should be addressing over here. And we took it on us on Kakagni to do that. But there are other things that are related. So when all the attacks happen against the Asians, you know, yeah. this, this is, it's a, it's a long plague that has happened. It did not suddenly happen, uh, in, in, uh, against the, the Asians. Asians have been disproportionately, uh, attacked. Um, you could see it from the Department of Justice numbers. And in fact, I think that the Department of Justice numbers, uh, they decided not to, uh, report on the Asian specifically in the most recent release, um, because it uh, actually looked worse than, than normal. So it was always bad before and then it looked worse. And, but if you think about it, if you tell. Wait, wait, wait a minute. The Department of Justice, which reports about, uh, the persons who were victimized by, uh, violent crime uh, by ethnic group have decided not, did you just say, to release data breaking down uh, victimization by ethnicity in order to avoid highlighting the increased incidence of anti-Asian violence? I just want to make sure I understood you. I don't have proof of that, but it sure looked like that. So I, I don't have proof. So. That's right. Because uh, in the prior years, you, you did see the numbers and you know they'll have a little chart and you can see that and you, you can see that Asians are um, more likely to be attacked because, uh, you know, I, yeah, I'm not the biggest guy in the room. I know that. And so it, uh, it, is, it might be that. And, uh, sometimes there are, there are attacks uh, of opportunity, but certainly the uh, attacks have increased when they say you don't belong here. Okay. That's the same kind of thing that the Asians have faced uh, in education when they tell the kids you don't belong here, not because they couldn't do the work, not because they weren't interested in doing the work, um, but just because of their race. That's the, you don't belong here. And it goes out into the street. You, you tell them that early from the schools, you teach them that, and it seeps in, you know, this is the subliminal message. And you go out in the street and we hear the same words. And this is the same thing that happened with the Chinese. Again, I want to make sure I'm understanding you. There's a controversy about Asian, quote, overrepresentation in the specialized exam schools and so on. And there's also an uptick in anti-Asian violence, much of it coming from the black community. Uh, you're linking those two things, are you? Yes, I am. I think that it is really part of the same kind of scapegoating and race essentialism. You know, if you look at that, if you want to look at people by their race, and you want to say that I'm not doing as well and I'm going to scapegoat somebody else. 
Is that not connected? This is this not connected in education when they want to do the same thing and say that we can't teach the kids in the school. So let's look at the group that in some cases they've done a lot of work outside of the classroom. You know, they go home, they read, they study. And uh, what you do is you say that we can't fix it for everybody else. So let's scapegoat them. And then that it goes out on the streets. You know, this is the same thing that has been happening for uh, too long and it doesn't serve the entire community. You know, we, we should be working for solutions for all the different groups and to just say, well, you know, uh, we don't get it right now for this. Let's go and attack the other people. That's not the solution. To attack somebody else does not make you better. It's sort of like if I just go into a school that's named either Bronx Science or Stuyvesant, that doesn't make me immediately smarter and able to do equations. You know, that, that doesn't happen. There are schools in the Bronx where not a single eighth grader can do fractions. Now, you know that third graders should be doing fractions. And when not a single eighth grader can do it, and you want to say, let's go and take the top 7% from each school or something like that, take whatever, X percent, that doesn't work. They don't become immediately smarter. You have to go back to what it is about. You and I could agree, I think, that that fact, the fact that there are schools and New York City is not alone in this respect, where uh, there's vast swaths of the kids who are just not getting effectively educated, is an unacceptable reality in American society and something must be done about it. Um, so I, I, I take your point on that. I have to say this, uh, Wei Wa, which is that there's another side to this debate, which is not being represented in our current conversation. And I want my audience to know that I'm not just touching on this this one time. This is an issue that's going to be with us. The Supreme Court is going to hear this uh, suit of the for, uh, students for fair admissions against Harvard University. This issue is around and I will be covering it in an ongoing way um, at the Glenn Show. But um, I want to give you a chance to, you know, make any closing remarks that you might want to make, uh, Weiwa. Um, I am, again, uh, proud of the role that I played in the Dream Factories. Everybody should look it up. We're going to include a link uh, in the posting here. Uh, and very sympathetic to the philosophical and practical points that you've been making here. Uh, but I do have to acknowledge that there's a debate ongoing, and I want to give the other side a chance to express their views at a future time. Is there anything else you want to say about this stuff? I thank you first uh, for inviting me. And you were the star for Dream Factory. So thank you very much for being part of that. Um, I want to say that education is something that is for everybody. And for people coming from Asia particularly, we do value it. Yes, we do. Um, and it's part of the Confucian principles that we learn from very young age. And the thing about Confucian principles is that Confucius himself said that this is something for everybody. It's not to be distinguished by rich or poor or whatever background. It is for everybody. And that is what we should be looking for. All right. Well, this is Wei Wa Chen. She's charter president of the Chinese American Citizens Alliance of Greater New York. And I am proud to say my friend. Thank you. My bride. Thank you.